This is Season 2, Episode 22, Part 2, wow, that's a lot of twos, of my interview with Chris Broholm. Here's a little sample of what's coming up. Uh, if you're not feeling fantastic, let's put it that way, uh, learning languages can be a great hobby. Uh, I've, I'm living proof. I, I think it's it definitely helped me a lot. Gave me some purpose, you know, just Language the saves. idea. Of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like just yeah. the idea of finishing a textbook. That's a goal. And right. I think people with depression often don't see any kind of purpose. They don't really, right. there's, there's no point in getting out of bed because right. there's nothing going on. But if your goal was to finish the textbook, suddenly you've got a mini mission. Welcome back to the Language Mastery Show. This is your host, John Fotheringham. In today's episode, I present part two of my epic chat with Chris Broholm, the host of the Actual Fluency Podcast. In our wide-ranging conversation, we talk about everything from how language learning can help you live a more fulfilling life, start a successful business, find a new career, even meet your soulmate, and some of Chris's expert tips for starting a low-risk, high-reward language business right out of the gate. And real quick, before we get to the interview, I am very excited to announce that today, the print version of my book, Master Japanese, is now available on Amazon. Master Japanese teaches you how to learn Japanese in a way that is both fun and effective, right from the comfort of home, using what I call anywhere immersion. To get a copy of the book, go to languagemastery.com book. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Chris Broholm. If I had to give just one tip, I think if I was like pressed, it would probably be just do something. Yeah. Just do something. Right. Don't worry about what it is or how you're doing it. Just do it. And mm. when, once that thing you're doing becomes painful or <laughs> no longer enjoyable, yeah. do something else. Do something, right. But you're still but, doing something. Yeah. yeah, because obviously I'm sure there are people listening to this who are maybe they've learned a few languages on their own and you know they kind of know the, the game, so to speak. Right. And 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 for those people, I, I my podcast at least, I don't know how you feel about this. I'd be I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It's mostly for motivation and kind of a sense of belonging. It's mm-hmm. like a group, kind of tribe um, to be part of. Yeah, it's, but you're I normalizing don't, don't, this hobby. I think is a big part of what I think it wasn't what I set out to do, but definitely it's something that has come about sort of organically. And same thing with, I think the polyglot gathering, the polyglot conference, Langfest, you know, your upcoming um, polyglot cruise. I think a lot of these events, what makes them so wonderful is yeah, there's cool tips and you, you go to lectures and, and learn, you know, maybe some new strategies. But the biggest thing is you're around all these other language nerds, basically that, <laughs> that normalize this obsession. They make it a normal, cool, acceptable thing to do. Instead of you being the one weird one at, at Thanksgiving dinner who, you know, you're the only one around the table who speaks maybe even one foreign language, let alone multiple foreign languages. Yes. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point to bring up as well. It's definitely, it's adding a platform to a hobby that is a very, by nature, quite a, an isolated hobby. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're talking to people, but most the bulk of your actual learning comes from usually either textbooks or talking to strangers that it's hard to build deep relations with, or a teacher who's who you're essentially paying to listen to you, <laughs> which you know can be yeah. enjoyable. You know, I've had good relationships with my teachers. Yeah. But I'm not pretending that they're my best friend because right. you know they're being paid to listen to me. Yeah. So, you know, no, nothing ill against any teachers out there. But it's it's a different relationship than me talking to my best mate, right. you know, down the pub right. uh, or whatever. So, it's 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 a fine balance. And, it's and, linguistic prostitution in a way. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah, I was going to make that analogy, but I didn't know. Well, that's what my brain went. So, thank you for that. Everyone was thinking it anyway. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, that's it's why true. I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> but another thing I wanted to uh, just quickly go over with you, if you if you've got uh, a few more minutes, sure. is um, the idea that what you do with the languages often don't make sense until later. Yeah, and I'd like gratification you, or delayed return. Yeah, yeah, and also the like the you connect the dots looking backwards. Right, uh, that's a Steve Jobs uh, reference. But you basically it opens so many doors, like. If you listen to any of, I don't know, how many episodes do you have on on uh, Language Mastery? It's kind of embarrassing how few, 
considering how long I've been doing this. But well, quality of uh, quality. about that, but um, I'm I'm approaching forty. Right. Yeah. So you've got forty episodes, and you've got 150 or so on on actual fluency that basically each feature a different story from someone who used languages in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I would like to offer just an example, you know, my story, for example, when I started doing my podcast and my website, I didn't know that languages was going to be kind of my career or go to, but just by putting myself out there, interviewing people, connecting with other language learners, going to the conferences, I have achieved a lot that I would never even have, I, I would, it wouldn't have been possible if I had followed the kind of trajectory I had before I went into the languages. Like I've been to the U S several times. I've been to Canada. I've been to conferences in Bratislava and Budapest and then, you know, all because I went to the conference and, and, you know, the opportunities when you keep active in a community, in a, in a, well, yeah, polyglot community is probably the best word. Um, the rewards just, they show up and right. you're in the community. Now you have teachers who are passionate about the language who eventually build businesses out of, out of nothing. Right. You know, you have, you have people like Benny who was blogging about his language learning, making a few videos who now employs like a team of people to help him run the site. And yeah. he's, he's been living entirely off that side for you know as long as i've been doing this as well okay. uh, and that's just one example you know i went right. to the first polygon gathering and i this was during my some of my worst times you know i really was quite bad at that time in terms of like depressive state and didn't really have much of a future didn't really know what i was going to do and you can imagine like having a podcast where 20 people download it every month is not exactly uh, a, a light at the end of the tunnel just yet. Right. <laughs> but um, Well, there's a metaphor like, there for learning a language too. We would oh, take, yeah. right? I mean, creating a podcast or a blog, there is a lot of delayed return there as well. But you're you're knowing I'm, I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and eventually it, it'll be something. Yeah, but it all comes from the putting in the work. And, and if you put in the work to the language, not only can you get amazing careers, I mean, there's so many people in the community who found their, their life partner, their soulmate, mm-hmm. Because they had learned the language. Right. And, and, you know, some people do it the other way around as well. They meet someone and then they learn it. Sure, but sure. I've interviewed so, so many people who met the loved one because of the language. Right. But that's just, one, that's just one example. You know, right. you can get jobs, you can get free drinks, you can get whatever. There's so many things that open up. But for me, the big life-changing experience was I was interviewing people at the the polygot gathering because I brought my computer. I was like, cause I didn't really know anyone back then. So it's really hard just to email people and go, you want to be on my podcast. And I had, I think I had recorded three episodes by the time I was there. So basically I wanted to record a few episodes that just wrote people in and take right. them to my room. <laughs> and people were extremely nice, but the, the one thing that stands out and I'm sure he, he doesn't mind me sharing the stories is, is Richard Simcoe. he, uh, works today and he was at that time working as like the language expert of a social media agency based mm-hmm. in London. They use freelancers. And after the podcast, well, I recorded a, like an hour with him in, in my room. And after the, the podcast, he was like, do you want a job? It's like, what? And then he explained what they were doing. You know, they did social media management and all that kind of stuff. They needed a Danish person to um, basically uh, run Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts for, for businesses. And I was like, hell yeah, you know, but that had never happened unless I'd kind right. of stuck into it. And this is, this, there might be a bit of a, a, a difference between, I mean, just learning a language is obviously, you know, it's going to give you some opportunity, but the really, the big opportunities come when you, you know, you, you network within it as well. So, Let's say you learn Russian. If you start going to Russian cultural events or you go to Russia frequently for your habit, uh, your interest. And actually, this is a great example as well. You know, video games are getting huge. We talked about how I got into English with video games. If I had learned Russian to a high level or a higher level, then I could suddenly, I could be a translator or like a, a content creator 
in in, a, in in video games i could even pick like my video game and say okay there's this big tournament every year like my game was dota 2 so there's a big tournament called the international and i think the first prize uh, back then was about 10 million dollars for the winning team wow so that's about you know it's like a half, one and a half million dollars for each player and that is seen by half a million people live and there's like 50,000 people in the stadium as, as well where they host the event and and russia is one of the biggest gaming countries in the world they really like video games in russia so if i had learned russian to a high level higher level i can still do this by the way i'm not interested in it now i'm, I'm trying to step <laughs> back from gaming a little bit <laughs> um, but um i could basically combine my interests that way and i would be such a valuable asset because not a lot of people have russian skills with high english skills and are interested in gaming right right the last one is the important bit and with languages it's the same right um but my point is more that languages are really not just communication they open so many doors and this goes back to how i got started in the first place i just decided that languages were practical but i've gotten so much back Mm-hmm. from being in the and just being in the community i'm not a great language learner you know i'm not a great polyglot or great uh, achiever i'm not much of a learner i'm really more of a messenger i like the i, I i'm the same yeah i i, would I like the, the message of language learning a lot more and, and if i can kind of inspire people who have the real talents and the real um well talent to work hard i would say you know the interest to make amazing results happen then for yeah. me that's the greatest uh, gift that i can give me learning languages myself, I'll probably always be dabbling in something, you know. But but uh, it's just not a priority anymore. Well, but we, even that, we all have you a, still we, get the. Yeah, we all have a different, I think, role to play. And what I found is that usually those that are really good at doing a thing are not very good at communicating how to do that thing. And that's sort of something I think we. Oh both, yeah. I think you and I both kind of have sort of found our our, our way in that we've realized that we can be better at communicating the way other people do what they're doing in a way that's compelling and easy to understand. And um, yeah, yeah, I think I could be good at learning languages because I know all the theory and I, I've interviewed everyone uh, or not everyone, but I interviewed a lot of successful people who have learned, right. you know, 10, 20, 30 languages, all of them. Right. And so I, it's not that I couldn't do it. I just don't want to. Right. That's the big difference. That's not it's your like, purpose, yeah. Exactly. You make you make, and I had I recorded some episodes. Uh, it's um, I think it's about a year ago or something that I recorded some episodes. So I called them polyglot therapy because <laughs> there is a real danger as well out there that people feel pressured to learn languages or you know add more languages or mm. all these things for vanity. Yeah. When I don't think. It's like trophies or not just in a belt. Yeah, right. So I think it's important to understand that the language learning should come from a place of want and and need. Maybe not so much need as want, but like you shouldn't learn Spanish because you saw someone else did it and you thought it could be cool to have a language in your belt. Right. You know, you can certainly do that. It's not impossible. And I think you can brute force any kind of learning, you know, that's how most people do it in the school. Is yeah. Not very many people care about maths and biology in school, but you know, we, we still learn it. And uh, obviously a few people really like it. So they continue with it, but that's the same for languages, but it's just so much harder if you're trying to do it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was definitely doing that because you know, when you're talking to successful language learners all the time, you just like, Oh, I should speak more languages. And you go to the conferences, everyone has like eight languages on their badge. You know, like, I know, oh, I know. I should speak more languages. And yeah. I actually, I got caught up in the, in the, uh, in that kind of illusion at some point. I was yeah. like, I felt like I had to. Yeah. And then somebody asked me like, why are you learning this language? I was like, uh, <laughs> I want another sticker on my badge at the next polyglot gathering. <laughs> exactly. And I just thought, yeah. you know what? I'm f- perfectly fine being a dabbler. Yeah. I, okay. I mean, uh, tr- honestly told, I'm fortunate that I got a few free languages when I grew up. So it's not like I don't come to the polyglot conference with just uh, a U.S. flag. Yeah. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but I can see how someone would say, well, Chris, it's easy for you to say that you're not learning languages when you already speak five of them mm-hmm. you know you know you count swedish and norwegian uh, which is uh, 
uh, obviously different languages, but they're very similar to Danish. So I got those for free. So the only real language that I've learned independently, and I haven't even learned it that well, <laughs> is Russian, mm-hmm. which is uh, getting to a very interesting level, which uh, we could spend hours talking about. But, you know, I could definitely see some people thinking it's easy to, for you to say. Right. And I, I totally understand that. That's fair enough. You know, it's very lucky and, and fortunate and, and kind of privileged to get all those languages similar. Like if you live in, in some country, like multilingual countries, or if you're brought up by parents with different native languages or, you know, you, you get advantages that you can't control. And I, I definitely appreciate that, but uh, just don't learn for the wrong reasons. Is, yeah. uh, but also I think another key takeaway here is don't compare yourself. You know, yes. Don't compare yourself with anyone else. What, and it's hard. I mean, I, I say That's that as much hard. to myself as to others because, <laughs> no, I mean, truth be told, when I got to the Polyglot Gathering in Bratislava this last June, that was my first, you know, Polyglot event ever after blogging and podcasting about this stuff for 10 years. Um, yeah. And a big part of why I had put off going so long was fear. Because I thought myself, like, oh, I only speak a few languages. So I know these people I've interviewed that speak 10 or 15 or more and in my mind, I had it. That's what a polyglot was, or, or that to go to one of these events, you had to have all these, you know, at least five or at least ten languages. And I don't yeah. know where I got that in my head, but it's ridiculous because you, you know, you go to one of these events and there's people that speak one foreign language, there's people that speak twenty, and it doesn't matter. It's not about how many stickers you have on your your card. It's 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 that you can connect with other people over this shared interest. And then beyond yeah. that, it's it, it almost becomes irrelevant. It's just can you <laughs> can you talk to another person in a language? Yeah. What I would say is that I don't know if it's if there's any kind of scientific reasons for this, but I would say my feeling is that the people who go to the events are very nice people. Mm-hmm. Like it's like there's like this personality type that's attracted to the language learning world, and it's just really open, accepting, mm-hmm. a friendly. Uh, welcoming people so for me when i went to the first one in in berlin like five years ago i could choose languages as a kind of uh, you know a a niche almost uh, i don't know what to call it like an area of my life that i wanted to be part of because of the people in it right you know if you if i went to that first event and everyone was like a dick and saying oh you only have three languages on your badge (laughs) yeah Next. Then, yeah, then I would have just, then I would never have gone to another event. I would have never right. produced any more podcast episodes. Right. Fortunately, as it turned out, everyone was super nice. And I've seen people attend attending those events who haven't learned their first foreign language yet. Mm-hmm. And I asked them because I was intrigued. I was like, first of all, how did you find out about it? Why did you go to it? Mm-hmm. Turns out they had some friends who were going and they were going on some kind of interrail trip so they kind of tagged along and it's like that's amazing and what did you think of the event and he was like i had a great time absolutely lovely people and i think i want to maybe check out learning french myself so awesome. it's like yeah yeah exactly i mean how, how good of an experience can you get and i think there is this myth or idea that <laughs> these uh, language events are like 200 uh, nerds with uh, very thick glasses and uh, you know uh, yeah. <laughs> no people are extremely diverse and yeah. fantastic and you know there's also been some myths that it's mostly a male activity oh yeah absolutely not. false you like know, uh, I think in the, the early days was 50 50 yeah I, I was talking about this with my wife the other day that you know when i first started the podcast i i did notice i think i was, I was about i don't know maybe five episodes in and i thought oh all, I've only interviewed guys, you know, and I just thought, oh, that's interesting. But then, <laughs> but then I, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't like I was excluding women on purpose or anything, but I just, the people that were on my radar in the language world at that time in 2009, all, almost everyone was, was male. But yeah. now you look at it and it's almost the other way. I, I would almost, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like 60, 40 or 70, 30. It seems like in terms yeah. of who's like really pumping out a lot of, you know, content in the, in the podcast or the blogosphere so it's it's cool it's it's yeah it's and it's from all diverse. over the world yeah you right? know it's not only english speakers now that are doing no 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 podcasts like, too. There, it's more common to to find people at the the gatherings who have you know a ton of languages that and they're from other parts of the world they're not just from 
from the Eurobor or the US. Right. It's it's a truly global phenomenon with such a big variety of, of people, personalities and and um backgrounds also, yeah. which I think is exciting and I think when you're into multilingualism and you, you get a taste for what other how other people think and how other cultures live, it makes you appreciate people in a different way. And I think that's what con- what's contributing to the really positive environments uh, across these events. Like, um, and, and that's also why I think committing to languages as a hobby, if you really like languages, if you like the idea of learning languages, if you like, like to make it your career, there's never been any easier time, honestly. Yeah. You know, this, this is not, you can do it now. Uh, if you want to teach your native language, you can. If you want to be a YouTuber, if you want to be a podcaster, a blogger, you know, you just do it. And you don't ask for permission. There are no mm-hmm. gatekeepers. 20, 30 years ago, if you had to have a book published, for instance, like right. how hard would it be? It would be incredibly difficult. Yeah, you had to wait but to now, be Yeah. Now it seems part. like all my friends are publishing books uh, yeah. every other week with, yeah. with different publishers. You know, it's like... You know, Alex Rawlings and Benny's book was obviously very successful. Uh, Ollie is producing, like, I think we, uh, you know, I'm part of the team, obviously, but he's really the the main driving force, and he's putting out the 16 new short story books coming out. You know, from Teach Yourself, the big mm-hmm. producer of uh, Teach Yourself books for the last hundred years or something you know so it's going mega mainstream yeah. so if you're listening to this and you're just getting into it and you're not quite sure if you want to focus your efforts on the on the language market or the language community they also say that the language market is, has you know it's worth billions of dollars so and there's a big value in it and i think it, it's increasing as well people mm-hmm. are seeing the value of let's say accurate translations, good interpreters, offering content in people's own language. Right. That was something I noticed when I was doing customer services. The fact that people, the, the fact that Danish people could call me and get help with their, I was working for a rental car company. The fact that they could call someone to speak their own language with, people were just like grateful for that. You know, they didn't have to, you know, they, of course they would be able to do it in English, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. It's like a, it's a deeper it, it, connection, it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think the people it, people are always saying, oh, we're going to reach a point where everyone speaks English and, you know, the, the globalization is just going to take over not and there's gonna not going to be nope. any need for that. You know, everyone speaks English. Why have your different languages? But I think the companies that understand the value of that are going to be the winners of the future. Yeah. Because the more people who kind of, you know, they, it's so easy to travel now. I just got an email that I could go from Copenhagen, uh, where I was born, to New York for 177 euros return. Wow. You know, try to give me the flight prices from 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. And it, you're looking at probably a 10-time increase. Yeah. Uh, well, de- decrease in this example. So the world is getting smaller, which means, in my opinion, that the importance of cultural awareness, like you don't go to Jap- Japan and insult everyone before <laughs> I don't know, getting uh, killed by the emperor or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you get to know a little bit about the language and the, and the culture and for companies. And I think it's important to have this uh, commercial um, part of it at the back of your head because, yeah, it's all a hobby. We're all having fun and it's all about you know, learning languages and being part of a community, being part of something greater. But everything you do gets better if you can also make it your full-time thing, you know? Right. If you're just dabbling in languages, that's all right. But what about working as a, I don't know, language expert for a, for a, or a cultural advisor for a big Fortune 500 company who have who's going to open a new branch in, in a foreign country where you've been, you've traveled, you, you've learned the language to a high level, like, could you not see, for instance, U.S. companies hiring someone like you to advise them on Japan? It's a big market. <laughs> what, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and some, someone listening out there could, could do the same. So right. that, yeah, I'm or, really happy. Or the other with, end of the spectrum, going back to the earlier in the conversation of creating your own thing. You know, you can yeah. definitely provide value to existing companies, and that's one way to go. Start small. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, personally, I... I don't ever want to work for anyone ever again. I <laughs> I like being my own boss, but well, you're uh, working for your audience. You know, you're that's serving true. your. That's true. <laughs> well, I'm working for my wife. That's 
Yeah. Well, she's that's the boss. it. Yeah, the family. Uh, yeah. The family. For, for the family. Yeah. For the family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's Making great. Offer you couldn't refuse. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like it, and it, that's also why I think that it's a good niche because you can talk about anything. Careers is one thing. Your translation. The, study tips, methods, mm-hmm. uh, certificates, official kind of school diplomas. Uh, you know, there's a lot of of areas, but definitely I would say the most thing, the, the thing that really excites me is that anyone at any, from anywhere can just create their own career. Mm-hmm. Like, or start as a side hustle maybe or a side yeah job yeah that's i would definitely give that tip uh, having gone down this road a few times do not do not jump into trying to make your passion project pay the bills too early because that puts a lot of extra stress on 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 your your project and on yourself that just it kind of takes the joy out of it so definitely yeah i think a lot of us have um chris gillibo i mean he makes the great point and um he has that book side hustle and then his podcast side hustle school but I really like that the approach he's taken. And so there's, there's this allure of like jumping with both feet to be an entrepreneur. And I'm all about that. But uh, yeah, I think not trying to make your art into your business and not trying to make your business, your art, I think having some, some separation can be a healthy way to go. Yeah. I found that the pressure of performing was just too much and I wasn't really accountable to anyone, you know, mm-hmm. it was just myself and, yeah, there's some pressure of, okay, if I don't do this, I, I can't eat. Right. But at the same time, you know, I knew that my family would support me if I if I failed. So for me, it's it doesn't work very well. But I think what I would recommend anyone who's interested in kind of going down that path is to create content, you know, whether it's a podcast or a blog or a YouTube channel, whatever medium you prefer. If you create regular content, network with people already in it, and you explore kind of the ways to grow and monetize that, then you will almost certainly be met with opportunities that you can pursue later. And, and not not just your own stuff, but like the job that I have now is a direct result of my efforts on actual fluency, like the podcast, the blog, um, the networking, you know, that's one thing they they those events are really good for as well. You get to know people and then if they need someone like, Oh, uh, I need someone who speaks. I'm actually doing a project soon as well. And I would never have gotten that project if I hadn't put myself out there, hadn't produced the content. It's a lot of work and a lot of it upfront. But what I recommend people actually do is teach their native language to begin with as a tutor. because That's very low pressure. You can kind of ramp up the hours. It's very it's a very simple strategy to kind of starting out and then and there's a need you, for it and oh, it's yeah, a scalable yeah. massive market yeah yeah absolutely massive and that could teach you some ideas on how i mean there are many ways on how to scale your time after that but i wouldn't worry about it to begin with i would just worry about becoming the best teacher and covering my fixed costs mm-hmm. and then slowly as your prices go up and your skills you you get better at teaching you can you can sort of uh, pivot into other things like you can take, let's say you have uh, 10 students. You could ask them for permission to record the sessions and then right. you can cut up the sessions into a course where you kind of exemplify, exemplify all the, the problems that speakers typically have, mm-hmm. you know, and then you give the course to your students for free as a thank you for, for being featured. Right. You know, that's basically you doing something you're being paid for. And then on the side, you kind of do the, you know, the tweaking, the editing and stuff. Right. And if you do that, then eventually you're going to have a nice big course program, whatever you want to call it, that you could sell over and over again. And then you can right. give your future students a discount right. because, oh, yeah, you're taking this German class with me. I really like, we're really having a lot of fun. Uh, I made this thing. If you're interested, here's a 50 cent coupon i only give this coupon to my students it's just if you like to do a little bit of studying in your off time features 20 people who are having similar problems with this this and this that you are you would sell so many courses that way because there's a lot of trust there there's a lot of uh social proof as well because it's yes. the, the course features students that are in the same position as your new right. student so that's kind of my basic uh get started working for yourself uh, I, that's, that's kind of, genius and i uh, 
the content itself is going to be so much better too than if you're just trying to create a course from scratch and yeah. not having that seat time and that practice of actually teaching it to real live humans. I think that's a big project as well. If you want to, let's say you want to build like a, at, at I would teach your language, we have a series of courses called uncovered mm-hmm. and they take, they take us about a year to make. Right. And we're, and we're a professional course creation company, you know, essentially, I mean, we, we obviously have language experts who come in and do the, the lessons and the, the language specific bits, but we have the, the, all the plans and all mm-hmm. the, the, the know-how of how to build the course. And it still takes that long. So right. that's why I recommend people to start small and the course that you make, you know, if you sell a couple of hours of content, that's nicely cut up and exemplified and maybe with some uh, sheets of some, what do you call it? Like exercise sheets. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you don't have to try and make a thousand dollar course. You can just make a $27 or $29, right. whatever. Right. And you just go for volume instead. You put it on something like Udemy, which is a public uh, open course platform where people they will promote your course for you as well. Mm-hmm. That could be kind of your business card. You know how they used to say that books are business cards, oh, the best business cards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's to a degree very true as well. And going on that tangent just for one se- a second is how hard would it be if, if you're a German native speaker to write a book like 55 really rude sentences in German and put it on Amazon? <laughs> right. Or uh, 200... Uh, for, uh, 200 sports terms for German learners or something, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it doesn't take long to make, you can sell it for a couple of euros and you just kind of building up a, almost like an empire, <laughs> you know, it's right. like buying, it's a little, little bit like buying real estate and you're getting rental income from different sources, but this is more like, uh, you know, virtual real estate where you produce all these assets and they're not m- mega big projects, any of them, mm-hmm. but you slowly build it up. And if you find that, Oh, I really like re- writing, and people are really loving this book. You make a series of books, right. you know. I think a lot of authors started that way. Right. You know, a, a kind of a series of books don't start with you thinking you need to write a series, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes back to talking about learning a language in the first place. You, you see this mountain in front of you of everything you need to learn before you're like fully, you know, like native level or you're close to native level fluency, and it's 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 too big. And so, yeah, same thing with writing a book. I mean. Oh like, yeah, I mean, I've I, been thinking about that for years. Yeah, well, when <laughs> I've done it. So, well, yeah, when I first released do it. <laughs> Master Japanese in 2010, I mean, that was the only reason that even ever was released is I announced publicly that it's coming out on a specific date. You know, had I not mm-hmm. done that, I don't think I ever would have finished it because it was, it, yeah, it's a huge undertaking. But I mean, it also was a much smaller thing in scope when I first did it. I mean, I look back at the. The first version I released in 2010, I'm like, why did anyone ever buy this compared to what it is now? I mean, it's so much more fleshed out and there's, you know, you know, additional resources to go with it. And there's worksheets and there's, I mean, it's, it's like a, it really, I mean, it is really a course almost now. It's like a, it's an autodidactic self-guided course in a book format. But yeah, I I think if I knew what it was going to become now, I don't think I ever would have started. It was just, it would be too much work <laughs> <laughs> between that yeah, and here. Exactly. But, but you do, you know, you do it by, by bed and you, you put out the first version and then you get feedback and you improve on it and yeah, it keeps getting, getting better and better. So. Yeah. And I, I definitely will get my book up, but I, I just wanted to wrap it up by saying that brings us back to one of the first things I said in, in this recording. That was the only reason that I kept doing actual fluency and producing content for language learning. And, I would say in effect, actually continuing the hobby of being involved in languages, because if I hadn't produced podcast episodes or blog posts, I'm not sure I would have gone to any other events because it takes some time to make deep connections in in anywhere, you know? So if I hadn't continued, if I hadn't made it public and that's where that was the connection is I made it a public pledge to make podcast episodes. I had a, a small audience. When I went to my first public gathering, somebody came up to me and showed me their podcast subscription feed mm. with actual fluency in it. And that was just really powerful. Yeah. Actually, uh, the, a few people came up and said they liked the, the podcast and that was the start of everything. Yeah. 
all that I've done since then was 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 started that way. But it was all about a public pledge. It was all about a an accountability mm-hmm. that that basically got me to where I am today with you know f- 164 or five episodes and just I think that's not difficult you know you can produce as many podcasts as you want but for someone who was in a real rut who didn't really know what to do with life and mm-hmm. just playing video games all day that is a that's the that's a huge achievement like that just the consistency and you know it's always it hasn't always been week to week you know there's been some long breaks occasionally uh but it's sticking to it that gets you the results whether you're trying to create a uh, kind of a career for yourself or you're just learning a language if you're learning a language you need to stick with it it's all yeah. about consistency yeah I and if you change it all the time then you're not going to learn it yeah yeah consistency i think in it's it's maximum adulting when you realize that, <laughs> that consistency is kind of the key to everything you yeah, know it really is yeah because everyone can eat healthy for a day or a week you know everyone can record a podcast everyone can spend an hour, you know, studying a language on one day, but it's doing that for a week and then a month and then a year and then a decade. Like that's where all the magic happens is in that long, uh, you know, it's the compound interest effect really, whether it's, yeah, getting yeah. in shape, learning a language, investing, you know, and trying to reach financial independence, which is kind of my new thing I'm interested in these days. Um, it's all compound interest, everything, all the and magic it's all of life. Connected. Exactly. We might have talked about that before in this recording, but everything is truly connected. If you want to be a good singer, good violinist, if you want to lose weight, if you want to uh, be financially independent before you're 40, you know, it doesn't matter what. Well, that's not going to happen because I only have a few months left. You playing the lottery or yeah, <laughs> you have to put out a new course, yeah. a new uh, master class. Yeah. Uh, Maybe before I'm 50. That's probably or 45. <laughs> but, it doesn't matter what the pursuit is. Yeah. It, it's just that the, the principles to get you there are universal. Yeah. And I just think languages are some of the nicer areas to be interested in because we all speak a language at least right. one. Well, I mean, most of us anyway, right. speak at least one language. So we know kind of the mechanics of speaking a language. You know, we know what it means. You know, adults have a lot of advantages when it comes to language learning. Um, if I had to learn something like, let's say I really wanted to be in a musical performance, I mean, just <laughs> that's almost like becoming an astronaut. You know, it's not like it couldn't happen. I could definitely, it, it could happen. I could take a engineering, what do you need, a astro engineering degree. I could get in shape and I could pass the requirements that I could become an astronaut. I I won't, and I don't, I, I don't want to anyway, but that's just such a big thing. Whereas I think language is, you know, part of everything we do. And yeah, it's so, I think it's so tangible in a way. Right. And, and it's it, useful it, along the way, kind of going back it's to, Bruce, mega useful. Yeah. you know, with, yeah, like with learning to sing or with playing an instrument, like you're going to be making awful music for a <laughs> long time. Right. No one's going to listen to your crappy violin yeah. until you actually play the violin really well. But with a language, like if you speak 10 words, you can use those 10 words today and people will actually smile and be grateful for those 10 words. No one's yeah. going to be grateful for terrible violin. <laughs> that <laughs> right? is very true. That is very true. So that's why I like languages. And, and I, I think it's the being, best. Let's just, let's all agree. It's the it, best hobby of all. I think so. I mean, you could do health as well. I think health and fitness is also very yeah, interesting. It's especially, my other world, but especially mental health is, is yes. something that it's not really talked about much. And no, it should be, you know, it should be, uh, that'll be our next and, episode. We can both, <laughs> Because I, well, I and I haven't really talked about this publicly too much, but I've I've struggled with pretty severe depression off and on for mm-hmm. much of my adult life, um, and just very recently I've kind of discovered this whole new world of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and and realizing that so much of what causes depression, you know, I used to always think it was environment or it was what I was eating or and yes, those things are a factor, but realizing that it's it's literally the thoughts in your head are creating feelings and then those feelings create the depression. And if you can just yeah. catch those thoughts upstream before they become these monster distortions of reality, it's like, anyway, it, it's just, this is a too big of a tangent probably to bring up here, but it, it, it's just, <laughs> it's amazing to realize that, uh, 
how how much that affects your entire life is just just these thoughts in your head. So, anyway. Well, I would say just to f- finish that tangent because I agree it's it's probably too big to to discuss uh, at, at this time. But I would say one thing is language learning is a great way to get out of a rut, uh, whether that's depression or, or other kind of uh, struggles you have, because it gives you a sense of real achievement, which is often lacking in depressive right. uh, patients. And you get all these small wins, you make new connections. So if you go to like the German uh, Stammtisch, like the ta- the German table at the meetup, mm-hmm. the weekly meetup, you're making new connections, you're meeting new people, you're socializing, you're getting vitamin D from the sun. You know, right. there's a lot of right. positive benefits that people with depression could really use. Yeah. So I would say not to prescribe it as a doctor or anything. Obviously, we don't want to make any uh, medical claims here. We don't know anything about medicine or mental health. But anecdotally, it worked really well for me, and I know it can work really well for for other people. But I think the the biggest my biggest frustration with it with mental health is that we live in a in a time of endless abundance mm-hmm. we live in in the best time of human history we have everything we need we can do anything we want we can get we can learn anything we want we can go anywhere we want we can be anyone we want to be but somehow it's making it worse so we've got higher levels of suicide now than ever before. There's higher levels of mental health issues. And there's some discussion whether there are actually more mental health problems or we're just being more kind of open as a society and right. people are seeking more, out More diagnoses, health. yeah. Yeah, I think it's a combination, not, not, not to bring is. that up. But, no, but, I, but I, I think it is actually that's increasing and it's, I, I think our expectations... It's a comparison probably. Yeah, that's well, it's a comparison. Problem. It's... It's we have we have the time, you know, so the Maslow's hierarchy of needs thing. We now have the time and the bandwidth in our heads to have existential crises. You know, when you're just trying to survive hand to mouth, you don't have the time to get depressed. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. But also, I think probably one of the biggest things is just we have such a mismatch between what our genes expect, what, you know, sort of the mm-hmm. environment we evolved in is so different in our modern world. You know, we all the things that used to be survival advantages are now disadvantages. Oh yeah. Right. Definitely. I mean, we never had such abundance of food. We never had such abundance of sugar, of stimulation, yeah. of access to online sex and all these other things. It's like, there's just, there's all these things we evolved to do and, and pass on our genes are, are, are now almost a, a burden. And so, it seems to be now that to succeed and to be happy in the modern world, you have to kind of almost go against a lot of our, our genetic programming or engineer your environment in such a way that you can honor your evolutionary heritage without uh, going crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there's getting, a lot of problems there. Yeah. Uh, honestly, there is, and I, that would be something that I'd love to explore deeper in. I don't know, maybe a, a complementary project to actual fluency or some kind of a, a podcast. But is the problem is also that you're getting into very dangerous territory. Yeah, you know, uh, if you're a, a professional, let's say you have a, a psych, psych, um, what do you call it, a psychology degree or a psychi- psychiatric degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a trained professional, then maybe you can make a make content about that or talk about it but i think it's really dangerous for people like us who are i mean i know you you know a lot more about health than i do um i don't know that if you if you study a lot of mental health but for me pretty much all i know and say is anecdotal you know it's it's just and the 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 danger of giving people who are really in the shits (laughs) to be frank the wrong advice is too big of a risk to it outweighs the positives i think in many ways Mm. um so it it is a bit of a dilemma but i would say just to keep it on the the language learning tangent if you're not feeling totally
I would also highly recommend, there's a book called Feeling Good, which I've started reading recently. That's been very, very helpful. Um, it's by a, he is a licensed professional uh, in, <laughs> in this stuff. So he can add some, uh, you know, professional uh, gravitas to the conversation. But yeah, that's um, good. We but, need some professionalism yeah, in this. Uh, but, talk, honestly. but I will say, I mean, both with language learning and with, you know, this other kind of health related stuff. No one can argue with your experience. No one can argue with your no. lived life, you know? And so there's nothing that needs to stop you from sharing what you've done and has worked for you, whether that's learning a language or, or, you know, battling depression. So I yeah. think, I think that's the key is just stay, stay focused on what you've done and what you've tried. And then mm-hmm. yeah, no, no one can argue with that. That's, that's why you can start a language learning blog as well. Some right. people are like, oh, but I don't speak any languages. How can I blog about learning languages? Right. Well, that's exactly what you blog about. You right. blog about your experiences and your, your basically, you're the amateur on the way to mastery. Yeah. You're the hero like, on a hero's journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know many people in the blogger community who are like super mega experts who just create content about how awesome they are all the time. It's all, you know, it's all about failure, really. It's all about the, the journey and the trials. So if you, if you do want to put content out there, I think, I, and I think there's a huge gap in the market, actually. I, I don't know, not to make this too tactical for, um, for like online, making money online and stuff. But if you go on YouTube, there's really not that many quality language learning channels and uh, videos coming out very often. Like there's a handful of people that I'm aware of mm-hmm. that make like decent videos, but take something like the weight loss niche and you've got a million videos a day about that topic. Right. So I think if you, anyone listening out there who are, let's say they enjoy being on camera or they don't mind using their iPhone and just having like a bit of an extroverted personality is probably a, a good uh, benefit. But if you recorded yourself learning a language and you showed, I mean, uh, not to be an obvious plug here, but using one of our language courses, for instance, to learn Spanish, and every day you did a, a video about what you did that day and you linked back to the, the course with a referral link, I mean, I think that could just be massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people are not doing it. Obviously, it's a lot of work to learn a language, but you well, know, that's and, just and one you, example. I think it's. I think the biggest block there is is people being willing to be vulnerable and to show themselves. Yeah, on camera, obviously making mistakes and and you know <laughs> struggling and you know I, I'll say you know I know we've mentioned Benny already a few times, but I think that's one of the things that he has done that has led his blog to be and now his empire really to be so successful is he's been willing to put himself out there in public struggling and going through this process because it's so compelling and it, you can connect with yeah. others that are, are going. that's that's another example yeah benny used to do these videos where he was out in the field so to speak and actually using what little language he'd learned and right. he really showed the process from start to finish i mean he didn't show him doing like eight hours a day as he was at that time he kind of glossed over that part but um the um that could be someone listening to this right now could be the next Benny for sure because that content just, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Like I, people, it takes courage. If they, takes courage oh yeah. yeah. And it takes a lot of work and it's not easy. And, but we've got amazing video cameras in our pocket now. Right. We probably had that five years ago as well, but the opportunity is there. And for someone who's in the kind of in the community who has like a pretty good idea of what's going on, that is, is it's massively underrepresented in on on a, on a place like YouTube. People might write about their experiences and they may do like a, a talking head video about oh this week I did that and then I did this. But actually showing the field of going out and practicing your language, there are not that many people who do that. And when they do, they're extremely popular. Yep. So yeah, definitely uh Definitely uh, give that a shot if people are interested in making videos or or blogging that kind of stuff. Uh, definitely show the hero's journey. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it's the story that we all love. I mean every every great novel, every great movie. I mean it follows the same basic arc that you know Joseph Campbell made famous in his book, the the Hero of a Thousand Faces, and then his Power of Myth series on on PBS. But we all love the same basic idea of somebody going through the trials and tribulations of something difficult 
and then kind of coming back full circle, having survived the ordeal with something to, to say or to share. So yeah, definitely get, I guess this, this would be a good probably closing is yeah. Be brave, take the phone out of your pocket. And instead of getting on Facebook or Instagram, you know, turn on the camera and just go and show yeah. us your journey. And you, you'll be unstoppable if yeah. you don't stop. <laughs> we should have a hashtag for them. Like, to, to mark this so uh the language heroes <laughs> language hero right that's no, already a thing isn't it uh, uh somebody used to but i don't know if it's oh, a thing um, anymore. what was his name he was actually he was on the podcast kevin morehouse that's right he had a, a i think i think he does languagehero.com is for sale yeah i think i think that project uh was abandoned but but it's a great idea though to be let's a language do it hero hashtag it. language hero <laughs> get out there get out there do it we're uh, a fi- unofficially promoting a, a couple of other websites that have nothing to do with us, but That's right. no, I mean, I agree with it. Yeah. Be a hero. And it's a lot easier than you think. And also you don't need to build, but you don't need to, to climb the mountain to start seeing positive effects and whether that's for your mental health or for your hobbies or for your career, whatever the reasons is you want to do this, you can just get started. You know, there's no, cost of entry really except for a little bit of your time right. but if you're watching six hours of netflix every day you could probably you know spare a little bit of that time yeah. for for other things and uh really the uh it, it's great when you get to the point of other people enjoying or, or reading your content and using that as inspiration yeah. so if you that, that's a big recommendation yep Life-changing. I mean, I know it's changed your life. Well, for it's changed me, it my was. life. Yeah. For, yeah, definitely. And everyone, uh, I think the guests we both had on our shows, I mean... Uh, we're just getting started. We are. Like, that's the thing. Like, some, some people... I mean, we've been doing it for a couple of years, but some people... Five years in terms of building a personal brand or a business is not that much. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of time. And I'm only just getting started. I'm only just figuring out what it is, what I want to produce, how I can produce it the best way and like the, the, the quality and how I best can serve people. And we right. talked about who you're earlier. serving. I think that's exactly that we, I'm yeah. still kind of trying to figure out exactly who it is. I, I, I can help exactly. most with what I do. Yeah. And there's so many ways to do it. And, and I don't pretend to know anything really. I, I, I'm just, trying to go along and try something new oops that didn't work i'll try something else and eventually you find something that works and then you just keep doing more of it and you you just have it's just a, it's such a different mentality than going you know i'll just have the uh, the school teachers tell me what to do and i'll just let my boss tell me what to do like with what we're talking about you can really do whatever you want to do right at any time from anywhere usually as well. Like yes. language are incredibly flexible. Yes. Like I've seen more of the world through languages than ever before. Like I used to say sort of half joking that since I discovered this language learning niche and hobby five years ago, I've traveled more than the other 25 years combined, you know, and that's, that's saying something this year. I don't, tra- I won't travel that much, but I'll still be taking about 20 flights. Mm hmm. You know, for me, that's that's quite a lot of travel. Yeah, it's not as uh, I did more like two years ago. I went to every conference, but now I go to most of the conferences to hang out with people, meet people, network. But it also gives me opportunities to travel to other places. Right, and that's only because I have this flexible job in the language learning yeah. uh, industry, which I got only because I was producing content. So. Right. Yeah, and, you can. And I would even say that even if you can't travel at the moment to all these places, you can travel, you know, in air quotes to other countries and cultures via Skype or even Netflix or a local restaurant, you know. We, well, maybe going, you don't want to travel. Like, right. Not everyone to. wants to travel, yeah. but whatever you want to do, you can do that through language. Yeah. as a sort of overall category like health and and fitness and you know all these uh your big tier money all these categories like languages is one of them yeah and you can do a lot with it that it's not possible other places truth go for it yeah that's it i like it <laughs> and i don't know what uh i I honestly, and this is a bit of a fourth wall, I guess, meta. Uh, I have no idea what we've just uh, produced with this. Uh, Me either. 
recording. That's okay. Uh, Three hours. That's uh, another example. <laughs> this this might be the longest interview I think I've ever done for the podcast, but we'll. It's good. The, it's because you and I class. both have all this meta uh, wisdom that we've sucked out like hungry vampires from all these other polyglots that we have. We have That's to, it. We have to. We, have to and share. we don't often get to talk about that because it's often it's often confined to the language learning niche, like just learning languages. I mean, not that just in that is, is a bit misplaced, but you know, the kind of the ideas and theories and everything ties together and it really applies to all areas of life, happiness in general. Um, so I think that's, that's why I've been a bit chatty in this episode is, is it's not something I get to talk about very much. Yeah. I, it's not often that I get to, extrapolate from the language learning onto the bigger picture so to speak right we'll have to do it again yeah it's good fun like i if my voice wasn't breaking slightly i think i could have definitely gone on for a few more hours so <laughs> uh, i guess we can make it we can let the uh we can let the people decide you know the the people who listen to the end i mean we should almost reward someone if right. they hear this part yeah if you've listened like, what, this far what, you get it. yeah what can we give what, what can it. we give to them? We'll, we'll give you a we'll give you a package just email email uh, one of us and use the code word uh, pineapple and then, uh, <laughs> there we go that, yeah yeah e- email and email, then we'll, e- email chris we'll hook you up or myself whoever whoever emails first will will we'll hook you up with something like a, a swag go. bag or something there we go okay that's a deal after you so because i think getting this far honestly is a bit of an achievement and it deserves a lot of recognition. Yeah. I almost want to say like, you shouldn't have listened this far. <laughs> you should go out. You should be doing something more productive in your life. Like actually learning a language or, or yeah, you know, well, take a walk. Long or, podcasts are becoming the norm. Have you not true. seen Joe the uh, Joe yeah. Rogan experience yeah, yeah, and it's true. H H3, H3. Uh, what's the other guy who also does really long episodes. Anyway, you know, yeah. th- it's quite, it's becoming quite mainstream. So there might be some people, maybe you're commuting, maybe you're stuck in the notorious LA traffic that we mentioned earlier and you, uh, you couldn't figure out how to switch to a different episode. So you were stuck with us for yeah. the whole, whole time. But anyway, I, I really want to, want to say thank you, uh, for listening and, and thank you for, for being part of, of this whole world with me and John. I really am grateful for all the messages I get, all the people come up to me and, 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 talk about episodes they've listened to or anything that I've done, they enjoy. And, and as someone who really had no purpose, no yeah. nothing at some point, I would literally wake up, turn on the computer, play world of Warcraft, order pizza, go to bed. That yeah. was it every day. So to get to a point where somebody is actually saying, you know, that episode you did with, with Peter's Michael or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed that because of this and this, and then I took action and did that, that this and that. There's no replacement for that feeling of uh, fulfillment and purpose. And I think the reason that so many people are, are struggling is that they don't have that. So I just want to say I'm really grateful for anyone who's listening. I mean, especially if you made it this far, we'll say. You know, that's really a commitment, really well done. But anyone, I'm really grateful for any listener. And, and, and John, thank you so much for for agreeing to this kind of uh, experiment with me. And, that was uh, fun. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and for what for all you do. And uh, we had, like you said, we had a, a good time in, in Bratislava recently. So I hope we get a chance to uh, there may hang out again. Some, some late nights. Uh, yeah, you were uh, you were kind of uh, you were you were kind of rough one one morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, did, I did learn my lesson that to never go out and drink with a Dane. Yeah, so you were you, you held your you know I think the I problem did. is where we were Bratislava with the one year <laughs> one year of beers. You know, it's it's risky. There it's risky. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah. Thank but, you, everyone, for listening. And yeah, and I was going to say, do get in touch. I mean. I think some people think, oh, you know, I don't want to bug somebody or they probably get so many emails. And no, we always love hearing from listeners and readers. It always brightens our day. So, yeah, if something has resonated with you or you have a question or if you want us to cover a specific topic in the future or interview a particular polyglot or linguist or language lover, anybody, definitely yeah, do reach out. I'm John at languagemaster.com and Chris is? Chris at actualfluency.com. Boom. But yeah, anytime, yeah, honestly. I love uh, getting emails. I'm kind of addicted, honestly, to emails. And uh, yeah. anytime people want to talk about any of these things or maybe you want help on setting your own blog or 
any yeah, kind of Chris, project up. Chris is the absolute language business like expert. So definitely, <laughs> yeah, he's he's. All, I've learned a lot from you actually in our conversation. So I'm grateful well, for that. It. And and for Thanks our so friendship much. and uh, yeah, many many more uh, conversations to come. I hope so. Happy uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, do check out actualfluency.com. Check out Chris's upcoming polyglot cruise. Should and, be fun, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, language mastery, of course. Especially if you're learning the Japanese or Chinese. Some good stuff there. Thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, keep up the good work. I shall do my best. All right, everybody. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. If you are struggling with depression, yeah, get help. Read uh, Feeling Good and learn language. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the best ways to, to find light out of the darkness. Yes. Yeah. So, well, I think so. I think so too. All right, brother. All right. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Chris Broholm from the Actual Fluency Podcast. If you want to support the show, please go to languagemastery.com slash book and pick up a copy of my new print version of Master Japanese. I'm really proud of how it turned out. And I think it'll be a big help for those that are learning Japanese or really any language for that matter. A lot of the principles apply to all foreign languages. All right. We'll see you next Mastery Monday.